Welcome to the Dell Spirit and Truth Podcast, where we wrestle with questions from the pew. This is Casey. And this is Jenny. Today, we're delving into the orphan spirit. Casey, what's the orphan spirit? As the name suggests, it is someone without an understanding that they have a father. Or, quite literally, an orphan doesn't even have a father. But there are many people, I'd say, within the church that live their life completely disconnected from an intimate relationship with their heavenly father. Right. And so we're not necessarily talking about like a a demon or an entity. It's more like a mindset uh, or a thinking pattern. Well, I would say it's it's more deeply rooted in a soul belief like this is integral of who I am without even realizing it. Right. And so we see the difference between, you know, people that are secure and they have deep relationships with their with their family. And, you know, there's just a, a confidence that's there. There's uh, more security that's there versus someone that has little or no home connection, someone that feels alone or isolated from others that doesn't feel like they have worth or value. Mm-hmm. And so you take those two different contrasting mindsets and they, they can go through the same situation and respond very differently i would say one one verse that has always stood out to me and i think was revolutionary for me and it didn't really click until i had an encounter with the lord was in matthew 23 verse 9 it says call no man your father upon the earth for there is one who is your father which is in heaven and i always read that and i'm like yeah yeah he's my heavenly father we always say that as christians he's my heavenly father but that has a very deep connotation to our experience, tied to our experience. And so early on in my life, I would say I didn't even truly grasp an intimate relationship with my father. And so when you look at this on a spiritual level, there has to be an encounter and a deep-rooted soul belief for that to actually transform you, for that to actually have substantial meaning that isn't negative, that is solely positive and it's it's kind of funny when i think about that verse because i always tell my boys uh, my my oldest son right now likes to be very formal and call me father all the time and so i was like son you know there's only one father he said yes you're my dad i only have one father And, and it's just this fun interaction my kids are going to have a really solid doctrine. <laughs> um, but They're always correcting me. <laughs> um, looking to the Word and just to really revitalize that understanding that a transformative encounter with God is really going to lead you to this place of understanding that He's your Father. And so I just want to talk about what the orphan spirit looks like. Um, because until I started reading and studying about the orphan spirit, I didn't acknowledge that I had one. And once I realized that I had one, I could start changing. I could start lining my mind up with truth and actually taking thoughts captive and having the mind of Christ. And I couldn't do those things because I didn't recognize it. The orphan spirit really looks at God as a taskmaster, as someone that needs to be pleased. They're they're afraid of messing up or making him mad. Many times, the orphan spirit's very independent. They're self-reliant. They feel like that their needs are a burden to others. And so they learn to take care of their own needs and to not depend on others. They really come from a place of insecurity. So they're usually defensive. They strive for praise and need for approval because deep down they don't feel truly accepted. 
all these things are really the opposite of the heart of a son. The heart of a son sees God as a loving father. They they know how to be interdependent. They know to, how to acknowledge their needs. They understand that God actually delights in meeting their needs and that their needs aren't a burden. They come from a place of rest and of peace and not the striving and trying to perform. And they actually already feel accepted and God's loved and justified by grace. And so they don't feel like that they need the approval or of man. They're not defensive. They actually have a lot more grace because they are already seated in a place of security. It is a very weird feeling to actually embrace that because most people, that is not their normal. Most people is that orphan spirit to where they're not fully recognizing. And this is really what it boils down to their identity in Christ and what Christ actually provided for us. Yeah, so they might theologically understand. Right, right. They have a they have a, a mental assent to the truth of scripture, but in their heart they they don't believe it. It just doesn't play out. Yeah, they do, they do not feel as if they are completely unconditionally loved and so they act in response to actually what they believe. Right. I've, I've used this, um, a similar analogy before, but it's like if I was a little kid and I was by myself and somebody was threatening me, then I might feel very afraid, very insecure. I would react with stronger emotions than if I had this big, large, strong father and I was in his arms and I knew he could crush this person that was threatening me. I wouldn't feel threatened. I wouldn't feel at the mercy of harm. Um, I would have rest and peace and I might even laugh it off like, good luck. You know, and so it's the difference of viewing yourself as a, a safe child in the father's arms and viewing yourself alone as an orphan. And so another thing about the orphan mindset is it's not just how we behave, but it, it really goes into the motives. There can be really good looking um, orphans inside the church, but their motives are wrong. And so whenever they're needing to perform, they have this motive to serve the Lord because they, they really need personal achievement. They really feel like that they have to seek to impress God and others. They don't, they're not coming from a place of love. And you look at that and you go, okay, well, they're doing all the right things on the outside, but the Lord judges us on the basis of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And this is where Jesus takes it so much further than just simply doing the right actions, keeping the letter of the law. Christ Jesus wants us to fulfill the spirit of the law in love from good motivations of good-rooted belief in who God is. And really that comes through a deep revelation and understanding of the truth. And so this is one of my favorite analogies, guys. Like I can only explain thing in, things in analogies. But if you were to get this really bad speeding ticket and go before the judge and the judge is like, are you guilty? And I was like, yes. And he's like, you have this huge fine to pay. Okay. And Jesus came into the courtroom and was like, hey, I don't owe any money. I'll pay her fine. I would be so grateful to him for what he's done that it's like, oh my gosh, you don't have to do this. Thank you so much. You really got me out of all this trouble. And so I would be looking at him with gratitude and thanksgiving and from this place of, wow, thank you so much. I would want to serve him. You know, I'm like, do you have kids at home? I would love to make you dinner. You know, what can I do to make this up to you? Versus me believing, okay, I have to perform. I have to work so that you'll pay my debt. 
sir, you have a lot of money. I owe this this debt. Can I do a whole bunch of stuff for you so that you will pay my fine? See, it's such a different mindset. And in the Christian life, I feel like too too many times are we subconsciously trying to earn God's favor, earn our salvation, even though we know the word says it's not by works, but it's salvation by grace through faith. We still don't act that way. That's the picture where we we assent mentally to the truth that it's by faith, but we practically live out our life as if it's by works. And it is a complete integration or a failure to integrate that reality from the longest distance that everyone always talks about is that 16-inch gap between your your head and your heart um, to where your heart is wholly given over to the reality of what Jesus did for you. And so many times with the orphan spirit, their mindsets about themselves are a dichotomy. It can either be they have a lot of self-rejection, a lot of comparing, they feel like that they're a failure, or they go the other direction and they go into a lot of pride. And so because they're so insecure, they stabilize themselves with pride and they really think more highly of themselves than they ought instead of coming from a place of just giving yourself and others grace, knowing that we all stand by grace through faith, just feeling unconditionally accepted, understanding that other people unconditionally are accepted as well, and and looking from a place of really like balance and truth. Well, I don't think many Christians actually look at each other as real siblings. There's always a, an expectation of maybe trying to outperform the other, when in reality, if your children were raised with a full understanding that they know unconditionally that they will be loved and accepted by their parents, regardless of what they do, regardless of how they mess up, they're not going to compete for the parents' favor amongst each other. They're just going to wholeheartedly love their parents in response to the unconditional love they're given. And then with orphans, their source of comfort, many times they don't know how to seek true comfort with with quietness with the Lord's solitude, just resting in his presence and love, being accepted by him, because deep down they just don't feel that they're accepted by him or that that's even an option. So they seek counterfeit affections. You know, this is where we see addictions, compulsion, escapism. We even see lives of of busyness or success or um, attaining goals or hyper-religious activity. And these aren't true comfort. In peer relationships, we really see the, the orphan with a lot of competitiveness, a lot of rivalry, jealousy. You know, James says where there's jealousy, there's every kind of evil. Well, that, that goes back to this idea, again, of not truly finding your fullness and acceptance in the Lord. They're still looking for success. They're still looking for position because deep down they don't feel that they are blessed, that they are valued, that they have position in place so they can't really walk in humility they can't really walk in unity with others and celebrate other people's wins because they're coming from such a place of emptiness that it's too um, hard for them too triggering for them another big thing about the orphan spirit and just being church leaders you know coming from having such an orphan spirit i can see both sides of it but it's view of authority and in your view of authority you see authority as an orphan as a source of pain it's been a place where you've been hurt because you've been rejected you haven't been cared for and it's it's bred a lot of lies about who you are it's a place of distrust mm. for authority 
it's a lack of a heart issue of submission. You can't submit to others because deep down, um, you just don't feel well, safe enough. Yeah, there's a fear. There's a distrust. There's a fear of being hurt again. There's a fear of this person might, and I've heard this before, and it was the most, I've, I'd never heard of it before, but spiritual abuse, like a fear of spiritual abuse. And I'm going, like, if you fully love and trust someone, there's not going to be fear. Like, fear is present because there is no love. Like, right. legitimately, yeah. perfect love casts out fear. And so when you see someone who's acting out of a place of fear, they're not coming from this place of this person actually loves me. Because what is love? They hope the best. Yeah. And and if you're not hoping the best in the other person, that they're coming with good intentions and good motivations, well, yeah, you're going to live on the defensive constantly. And, and on top of that, you're going to be looking for mistakes. You're going to be looking for this person and really kind of contorting through your own perspective of past experience that this person, look, see, I knew you were going to do that. You're proving my point. That's ex- I knew you were going to betray me. I knew you were going to do this. And, and your motivations were evil in that intent. And it's very interesting how that perspective in the orphan heart really manipulates and, and ruins a lot of your relationships. Well, the thing is, is there can also be leaders in authority that have an orphan spirit. And so they're driving people as taskmasters. They're driving people mm. by shaming them and guilting them and making them feel like that the Lord's not pleased with them, that he doesn't love them. And so, you know, <laughs> I can crazy. see where people are coming from. But the truth is, Second Timothy, that God hasn't given us a spirit of fear, but power, love, and a sound mind. We can recognize those things. We can put up boundaries and we can decide what authority we want to be under but but if you can't find any authority anywhere that qualifies to submit under i mean there's just no one that's halfway decent in the world then you might just want to have to look in the mirror you know because when we recognize that god's in control when we can trust him to allow the people over us to even make mistakes knowing that god's going to clean it up he's going to be with them that our leaders don't have to be perfect we can actually be respectful we can be honoring we can allow other people to make mistakes or even be wrong and still trust that i can have humility and god can take care of it and i don't have to take control i don't have to throw a fit i don't have to be manipulative or coerce people to be on my team and see my perspective because all of that is of the devil i'm reminded of a, a quote by pastor chuck smith of calvary chapel it, it was so impactful when I first heard this, that if we take care of our character before God, he will take care of our reputation before men. And so many people moving from an orphan mindset are afraid of the perspectives and the perceptions of other people. And so they're always trying to mitigate people's perceptions. And And the problem with that is that it is not moving in a place of full security of who you are in Christ. It's moving in a place of seeking validation from other people's opinions about you. And the problem with that is that you will never see success from a, from a faithful perspective, from God's perspective of success. It's not all of the things that you achieve. It's all of the things you've been found faithful to because you're constantly measuring yourself by other people's opinions rather than God's opinion towards you. Right. And so even an orphan spirit, their expression of love will be guarded. It'll be conditional. It'll be based on others' performance. You have to seek to get your own needs met. Yeah. It's it's a very much a conditional love. And the love of a son is open and 
patient. It's not guarded. It's not expecting the worst. You know, 1 Corinthians 13 talks about love hopes the best. The, the heart of a son will overlook flaws with grace. And that's that's how Jesus is towards us. They're not looking for faults and weaknesses to expose. They're actually, you know, looking for the good. And isn't that what we all want? We all want people to look for the good in us, and we don't want people to just focus on the bad. You know, that's called grace. We all want grace. But the Bible says that the way that you judge will be judged to you. What you measure out will be measured back to you. And so if we aren't giving people grace and we're just critical and negative, then that's how people are going to look at us. They're going to have the same grace towards us that we have towards others. And it says, blessed are the merciful, for they will receive mercy. It's interesting that the way in which we judge others is how we will be judged. And it, and it is exemplified in Christ, obviously, as God. Perfect humility. Now, what did what did Jesus say over and over and over again? I do nothing of myself, but everything that my Father tells me. And if we had the same mindset then, hey, I'm not going to do things in accordance to what I think I ought to do or what's going to make me feel good in the moment. It's going to be, no, God, what do you want to do with me? And we have clear, distinct, black and white instruction from the Lord that we are to walk in humility, we're to walk in love. And so in any aspect of relationship that we are acting out of character of what the Lord has dictated for us to perform, we are in error. And that is going to be a, I would say, uh, a thermometer, uh, the thermostat to determine, hey, I'm out of line. There's something that's wrong here because I have clear guidelines as to how I'm supposed to act with others. But the problem is we may know those things, but we don't experientially feel them in our heart. And so we're going to be acting based off of our core soulish beliefs rather than what we intellectually assent to. For me in my journey from becoming an orphan to becoming a daughter, I had to first recognize that I was an orphan. I had no idea. I was doing all the church things. I was serving all the stuff. You know, I was tithing. I was giving. I was doing. I was, you know, not cussing, not listening to dirty rap music, not fornicating, you know. And I was I was the good girl. Oops. I was, I was doing all the right stuff. She's like staring at me as she's saying all these things. Whatever. It's terrible. I felt very justified in my religiousness because I was meeting my own religious standards. But at the same time, I was frustrated with my inability to feel, my inability to what I perceived as I couldn't love people well. I was really caught up in a very critical negative spirit to protect my heart from disappointment and pain. I did not feel like that God wanted to meet my needs. You know, growing up, I had learned that my needs were a burden, that I should be ashamed to even have any emotional needs, and that other people don't want to meet those needs. And so I need to just be independent. And I was very independent. And when I started this book um, called From a Spirit of Slavery to a Spirit of Sonship from Jack Frost, which a mentor had suggested to me, it really opened my eyes. It helped me recognize that orphan spirit. And once you recognize you have something, you can actually start actively working against it. And so with this recognition of the orphan spirit, I really started recognizing thoughts and beliefs that I had that weren't from the heart of a daughter. 
that were kind of an orphan heart. And once I started recognizing those, I was able to start repenting against them and working against them, talking to God about them. I had never talked to God about, you know, my negativeness or my criticalness or my lack of submission to authority. You know, I just thought authority was wrong and I was right, you know. And so when you start seeing something, you can start repenting and um, drawing near the Lord in these areas and asking for help. And so that would be the first step. And what's so drastically important about this transition from recognizing that you have this orphan spirit, that you have these core beliefs within you that are really guiding and dictating how you act and how you react in all of your sit, in every situation that you're in or every relationship that you're in, um, is a drastic change in recognition of a need for rest. One of my favorite topics, one of my favorite pictures that I see in the scripture is in Hebrews chapter 4. It says, Let us therefore fear, lest a promise being left us of entering into his rest, any of you should seem to come short of it. And that there is just this continuation in this entire chapter, and I encourage you to read from chapter 3 on into chapter 4, that there is a promise of rest that he gives And that when you cease from your work, i.e. us trying to earn God's favor, us trying to gain God's approval, and rest in the reality of the completed work of Christ, it is a complete transformation once you have that recognition and there is just constant peace that passes all understanding when you rest in the finished work of Christ that he performed on the cross. And, And this picture of rest is a stop a cessation. It is a picture of Sabbath rest where you do no work on this day. And it is supposed to be a day that would be hollowed or holy unto the Lord to where, what did, what did Jesus say? God did not make man for the Sabbath, but Sabbath for man. It is an attitude to where we step back away from, especially in our culture, the busyness of the American lifestyle, stepping away from this constant this, this constant networking, this constant working, this constant pursuit and, and endeavor in all of these areas of our life that we think will bring us satisfaction, will bring us approval, will bring us validity, and really stepping back and resting in the reality of how God views you, that you are a child, you are beloved, there is nothing that you could do to earn his favor, and inversely, there's nothing you can do to lose his favor. He loves you unconditionally. And what you see in that to receive that unconditional love is to enter into rest by faith. When you have that reality that you are fully invested in by God and you are now his child, you are now, as Paul tells us in Ephesians, a co-heir with Christ, seated with Jesus Christ in heavenly places, that as a co-heir you get to receive all of the blessing and promise given to Christ himself, you now get to inherit and partake in that that reality of freedom leads you to Hebrews 4.16, probably one of my favorite verses ever. Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. That there is this beautiful reality that we can boldly approach a king. We can boldly approach a father that our sin does not hinder, our shame does not hinder, our guilt does not hinder. It is completely provided for by the blood of Jesus, and we get to receive 
all unconditional forgiveness because as it says in John 17, 3, that this is eternal life, to know the only God and Jesus Christ, our Lord, to know him, to have an intimate relationship with him, to come into a place of freedom from guilt, shame, and to rest in the reality of how Jesus and God views you. And so this really comes from a place of interaction with God. This comes from a place of being with him, knowing what he's like. And so all of our previous podcasts have talked about things like intimacy with Christ and inner healing and deliverance and hearing from God. And you can't you can't really separate these things because if you can't hear from God, if you don't believe in intimacy with him, opening your heart to him, which is what inner healing is, if you don't believe in these things, it's going to be really hard for you to experientially encounter him, encounter his goodness. I mean, he can just sovereignly move powerfully. I haven't ever had that happen to me, but I've been able, I've had the pleasure of leading a lot of people into encounters with him through prayer, through inner healing, through deliverance. And I have never seen anyone have an interaction with Jesus that didn't end in peace then it didn't end in a deeper understanding of who he is and who we are as sons and daughters, a deeper understanding of our acceptance from him. You're not really going to see this concept presented in a church that doesn't believe in hearing from God, that doesn't believe. And so, Casey, what do you think the tie is between like a spirit of religion and the orphan spirit? It, it goes back all the way to seeking his approval. A works-based religious mentality is like, I have to earn, I have to earn, I have to earn. But Paul explicitly preaches against that from Romans 1 to 4 um, and really amplifies this idea of it is all by faith. And it's not of works, lest any man should boast. Like we have nothing to boast in. We have nothing to earn. And that comes from a place of realization of, yeah, we don't deserve his favor. That's why it's favor. It's, it's not something that we deserve. It's something he freely gives because he unconditionally loves us. And if we feel like that we have to deserve it or we have the ability to deserve it, then we feel like we have rights. I've worked with a lot of people that maybe had a ton of Bible knowledge, a ton of good works, and they felt very validated in all the things that they'd done. But you know what they didn't have was humility and love. They had a lot of judgment, a lot of criticism, a lot of looking down their nose. And I could see where non-Christians would would meet them and would think, I don't want any part of your God. Right. And one thing that I do see with with most people, and, and I, I want to be very clear, when we refer to a religious spirit, we're referring to a legalistic spirit. And so I, I just want to clarify that. And so a legalistic that. spirit is what, Casey? So that's going to be, all right, I have to adhere to the rules, and if I do a good enough job, my good works are going to outweigh my bad. It's no real difference than believing in karma. Well, and it's not that they necessarily really think that because they think, you know, Ephesians 2.8, it's by grace through faith, not of works, mm-hmm. you know, so that so in their mind, they're thinking the right doctrine, but they are playing out the opposite of what they doctrinally believe. Yes. And you see that all the time within people, that there's this disconnect between the mind and the heart. Because the word says that the biggest thing is love. Yeah. You can have all knowledge, all wisdom, all prophecy, all power, but if you don't have love, it means nothing. And so what you see with this religious spirit is a, it is a constant endeavor to gain approval, whether it's subconscious or conscious. 
And sometimes what I find is that they do feel very validated and they do feel very much like they they have God's approval, but they feel like that you're not doing enough and you don't have God's approval. And so they're looking down their nose at you because you should be more like them. And what does Jesus say about that? It's like you have made your children or your disciples twofold as guilty, uh, so much more leading them astray. Um, because this is what happens when you are in that place of constantly seeking approval. You are measuring yourself amongst other people at that point. And you measure other people maybe by your own strengths, but not your weaknesses. Love would be encouraging. Love would say, you can do better. I believe in you. Um, criticism would say, you're not making the cut. You're not doing enough. And that's really not stemming from, that's not how Jesus is looking at us. You're not performing us. as well as I am. Right. Yeah. I am ashamed to say that I had such an orphan spirit before. And in this book, you know, I have this great part where it talks about going and being under um, religious leaders that you need to go and meet with them and humble yourself and apologize for having this orphan spirit underneath their leadership, not being able to submit to them, not being able to do authority well. You know what I mean? He makes a big point that you need to meet with them in person. It doesn't need to be a text or a phone call. And probably one of the biggest displays of my orphan spirit is when we were in Bible college in Japan. I'd gone from being this independent, had my own career and home, and, you know, I was in charge of me from a very young age, financially independent at like 18. And then I go to this place where I'm told when to eat, when to rise, when to sit down, when I could go on dates with my husband, when to be and yeah, where to be at all married. times. Yeah. And I just did not handle it well. I was like, <laughs> why does he tell us it? And so I had such an orphan spirit. I did not submit well. I was very critical, very negative of a lot that was going on. And I didn't have a lot of grace. So I knew, okay, well, so I do have a Christian leader I need to humble myself to. And I had two several other Christian leaders before that, just naturally out of conviction. But this one happened to be in Okinawa, Japan. And so I thought, well, I don't have to meet with mine because there's no way we can meet face to face. <laughs> I'm not buying a ticket. <laughs> and I kid you not, the next year we went over for Casey's graduation and it was in Europe. And when we showed up at graduation, guess who was there? <laughs> this pastor's daughter was graduating at the same time Casey was. And so I was like, oh, God, you set me up. <laughs> and, um, you know, I asked him if I could have coffee with him. And I, I just apologized to him and his wife. And they were so gracious and they were so kind. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it They're was wonderful. very scary to think about humbling myself <laughs> and apologizing for my lack of submission. And they were just so kind about it. And I've had that experience every time I've gone and humbled myself to a religious leader yeah. and just asked for their forgiveness. Our encouragement to you is to actively pursue an attitude and an endeavor of having a heart soulish encounter with God. Not just, hey, I'm in my flesh and I'm just what we, what we are saying is that there needs to be an experiential belief that these things that have motivated our decisions, our actions, our reactions do need to be changed because we see my actions are in contrary to the scripture and yet I don't seem to find a way to change. You need to encounter the Holy Spirit. You need to encounter him to where he brings revelation of the Father and revelation of who the scripture says you are. And if you are recognizing these things but don't know how to bring resolution, I encourage you to get reach out to a strong uh, Christian family. Reach out to us, and by that I mean a strong Christian church, and study these books that have been recommended to know that there are areas 
that we can find improvement and strength in our life. So if this podcast has been growing for you, if it has equipped you or brought you into the knowledge of more understanding, and you think that this this podcast series would bless someone that you know, we would love for you to share it, share it with friends, share it with families, share it on your social media, just allow other people just to, to know and to learn the truth. Next time, we would like to talk about shame. Many people suffer shame and have no idea what it feels like, what it looks like. They just think it's like embarrassment. Until next time, we bless you to walk in spirit and in truth.